Hello and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host Jillian Parker. Hi everyone. Hi Quinn. Hey Jillian. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I overslept this morning, and this week is actually like my week from hell, so it's it's a lot. But how are you, Quinn? First of all, when Jillian says she overslept, she meant she got like a mi- bare minimum of like six hours of sleep that humans need. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Okay. <laughs> Jillian's been studying for the GRE and performing in an opera, which I'm going to see tonight, Woo, which yay. is a cool thing. Um, um, well, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents are coming this weekend, and then also I have to learn how to be a tour guide this weekend for my school, and it's just, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. I've been all right. I'm doing the same things I've always done and haven't added, like, 17 extra commitments onto myself at the same time like you did. She's giving me such shade right now. (laughs) Well, I I am here for you, and I believe in you, and I'm sorry that you're going through a lot, but also you did this to yourself. Yes, but I I still have time somehow to make PowerPoints, so that's always good. (laughs) I was telling Quinn earlier when we were going over the notes for what we were going to talk about today... Um, that maybe choosing a news, a news-based podcast was um, not one of our greatest ideas. We should actually have one where we talk about books and movies, even though I don't like movies. But I am willing to read the Wikipedia descriptions of movies for you guys. See, my idea was just to pivot the show at this point. So instead of having a news show called Mixed Feelings, we start a relationship advice show called Mixed Signals. And then we just keep the artwork and everything. Um, and then just totally shift so we don't have to talk about any of these things ever again. And it'd be great because, like, I study economics, so there are definitely signals, like, economic signals that are used when we talk about different theories, and Quinn studies sociology, so that's obviously, um, relevant, so I think we'd be, that's our, that'll be in our next project. <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned for that, um, as well as the fall of U.S. democracy. Yeah... It's just, I, it's not that I was op, I was trying to be optimistic, it was just that every time something happens, I'm like, okay, that's it, that's the worst that can happen, you know, like, it's fine, but then just something worse always happens, so I've just given up completely. I feel like all our shows are starting this way now, where we're just sad about things. Sorry, this is getting repetitive, guys. Um... But this is the world in which we live, so. And again, we have another week where there is just so much happening that it's a bit overwhelming. But the first priority of stuff that we want to talk about this week is the Muslim ban. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been some contention, not a lot of contention, but um, on the other side, some contention of whether it's a quote-unquote ban or not, because supposedly it's a temporary measure to increase vetting so that we can quote-unquote figure out what's going on and know who's coming into our country. If you can't hear my tone of voice, you you know, you know how how I feel about this. But first of all, people like Donald Trump and Sean Spicer and Kellyanne Conway have all called it a ban on record multiple times and then they turn around and be like, it's not a ban. Okay, what did you just say? (laughs) So... That's not a point that is up for debate. Basically, right now, there's an executive order in place that bans 
people coming in to the United States from a certain list of vast Muslim-majority countries. And for the first few days, this actually included green card holders for the United States and other people who had legal rights to be here, um, and it was complete chaos. Um, Mm -hmm. Chaos in airports, chaos in um, customs and immigration, and people really weren't sure exactly what was going on. And then the administration came back and said, no, this doesn't apply to green card holders, which it's unclear whether they backed off because of the intense protests that happened or if they always intended to back off and give people some kind of false sense of relief over the situation that like, oh, it wasn't quite as fascist as we thought it was going to be. But regardless, there's still a lot of people who have legal visas, who have gone through vetting processes already, who are now blocked from entering the country. Um, And this absolutely does target Muslim people. Actual logical reason whatsoever. Yeah, and it's just a lot because... It see this is like the first time in well a very long time where this ban is strictly focusing on a um on a religious group because a lot of the countries that are supposedly that this ban applies to aren't even as relevant as some of the other countries when it comes to terrorist attacks and things like that so it's just it seems more of a ridiculous measure than all of the other ridiculous measures that we had to put up with so far and with still like very little promise of showing any positive result whatsoever. Yeah, to be clear here, uh, first of all, there have been no Americans killed by refugees um, since new refugees vetting standards were put in place many, many years ago. So that fear mongering of refugees coming here and hurting us is completely false, like 100% false narrative. Um, and also, uh, Trump invoked 9-11 many times when he was talking about this and talking about how it was a national security measure, but the terrorists that were involved in the 9-11 attacks came from countries who were not the countries that are targeted by this ban. So again, a totally misdirected narrative that doesn't actually play out when you look at the facts. Yeah, we seem to be having a lot of those lately, things that don't apply to oh my god i just i'm very overwhelmed and tired and sad quinn but it's okay yep thanks for joining us that's all we have to say (laughs) um so an awful thing that happened this um earlier this week was a shooting um in quebec city canada where a um a lone wolf shooter Um, ended up going to a Quebec mosque and ended up gunning down six people. Um, So... Can I just... Yeah. I don't think we should say lone wolf. He's a terrorist. Yeah. And I strongly object to the mainstream media using that phrase. Yeah. Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, has declared this an act of terrorism. So, um, yeah, he's known for, actually, his very, like, alt-right views and persecuting just this one group for the sole purpose because um the sole purpose being their religion so basically this shooter killed six people and injured many more um in a mosque in quebec and of course with all things in the world today which is kind of awful but this was immediately politicized 
The interesting side to the politicization of this story is that initially there were two suspects arrested. There was a man of Moroccan descent who was actually just a witness to what happened and was trying to help people. Then, uh, according to his story, he saw the policeman come in, saw the gun, didn't know it was a policeman, thought it was a shooter coming back, and ran away. The policeman sees someone running away from the scene, tracks him down, and arrests him. Later, he's cleared of all charges and is like, oh, okay, this guy did nothing. He was just a witness to what happened. Um, but the right-wing media, um, including Fox News, heard that the shooter was Moroccan and latched on to that fact extremely quickly. Some people even blatantly talking about how this would be good political capital for the Trump team. Um and then even after he was totally cleared and was revealed that it was a mistake in the fact that the terrorist was a white Christian man, to be clear, like, I, I say Christian as in, like, he I went Identifies to, as Christian. Not that he's, like, a Christian person. But anyway, I digress. Um, and still, even after this, Fox News kept up a tweet that describes the terrorist as Moroccan for several days until literally Justin Trudeau forced them to take it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't even know what... Okay, obviously I know what to make of this. Like, this is absolutely awful. And this and this just goes to show that a lot of the targeting can even happen, like, within our own borders. So it's just... All of this fear is just going to instigate even possibly more incidents like this and f the further polarization of different groups and really in order to combat all of the... Um, racism and other prejudice that we have, it's so important for us to stick together, and this is just not conducive to that at all, obviously. Yeah, it's important to note that this the shooter was noted as someone who was a fan of alt-right online groups and was what some people would call like a troll and harass people and was anti-feminist. And that is really terrifying, um, Especially when you consider, like, how often um, women and people of color are harassed online and they're told that it's not serious and that why can't they just block them or log off? And it's like, well, no. When someone says they're going to kill you, sometimes they're actually going to come kill you. So that's the world that we live in and it's terrifying. It just, this is maybe a bit of a digression, but... Um, when I was younger, my mom would always say to me, Jillian, like, always be careful what you say on the internet, and, like, just, you always should always be careful, like, don't get into fights with people, like, like, things like that, and I sort of interpreted that as, oh, like, don't speak your mind, because uh, maybe your opinion will come back to haunt you, which is, like, understandable, but when I was, like, talking to my mom about this, I was like, ah, oh, like, whatever, that's not, whatever, I'm just gonna do whatever I want, but it's, to an extent, like, she's right, like, things that you say you can be targeted and especially in this crucial time it can lead to violence which is just just awful yeah but to be clear that's not the person who was speaking no, no, no. oh like, yeah, yeah yeah i know i'm just <laughs> i know that's all you've been i just that's <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> jillian's going through a lot on a personal and political level <laughs> my brain hurts <laughs> everything hurts but yeah and so now we have this incredible amount of anti-muslim rhetoric which is 100% not unprecedented in our country. And I feel like we had a few years of relative stability and everyone was like, this is chill. Um, and then Trump happened and it was like, oh no, everything is still really super racist all the time. Mm -hmm. And 
that a lot of parallels are being drawn, of course, to Japanese internment camps during World War II, which was a horrendous human rights and civil rights violation, um, U.S. citizens being locked away because they shared a nationality with someone we were at war with. Mm-hmm. And now we're verging closer and closer to people being persecuted, U.S. citizens or otherwise innocent people, because they share a religion with some people who are attacking the country. Yeah, and this, we still have, I thought maybe that, I guess optimistically, that we had made a lot of progress, you know, since the 1940s or, but it's just, we're regressing back to this, this mindset, this polarizing mindset based on fear that people different from us in any type of way is a bad thing. Which is, you know, not what America is supposed to be about. America is supposed to be a melting pot, um, because, I mean, I don't. Aside from Native Americans who have been living here like their entire lives, um, we're all technically immigrants. So it's just, or we're all technically from different places, and we've all been different at a point. So continuing this trend of just ostracizing people, or even just having these prejudices and these biases against people from different nationalities, people from different religions, is just not, it's not conducive to progress. I totally agree with you, of course, and I think that we could sit here all day and, first of all, talk about instances of American history of us being completely terrible, um, especially to, you know, Native Americans. Also, this is just kind of a side note, but I find it very interesting the language of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the way that America was supposed to be built as this melting pot where everyone could be equal, but it was only built by white, rich men. And they were only actually talking about other rich, white men, which I suppose explains a lot about America. Yeah, the fact that what was one of the laws that... Um, you could only vote if you were white, male, and owned property. Like, And then when, when they finally got rid of the property thing, they were like, ooh, wow, we're so revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. It's uh. like you have all this language that speaks to incredible ideas of equality, and that's what we hold on to today. But underneath that is just, like, incredible racism and sexism and every other ism. And, yeah, that... Yeah, the context that. in which a lot of these documents that we uphold to these incredibly high standards for being the models of, you know, what democracy democracy should be about um, is just not really grounded in what it should be representing. I feel like this whole conversation, going back to religious discrimination um, and terrorist attacks and anti-Muslim discrimination on such a wide level, speaks to something I've been thinking about recently. I feel like for several months there was this conversation basically about the civil rights movement and a lot of comparisons being drawn to what we're going through in our country in 2016, 2017 um, to the civil rights movement. And there was this idea of, oh, if you always thought that you would fight for civil rights back then, like, this is what we're going to be doing now. And I feel like over the last few weeks, there's been a very strong shift from the, away from the civil rights idea to World War II. Um, and fascism and the Holocaust, um, and this is the narrative we're dealing with now. Whereas before it was the comparison of, like, what would you have done during the civil rights movement? Now it's, what would you have done during the Holocaust? Mm -hmm. 
And it makes sound like I'm just fear-mongering here, and I certainly hope that we don't come anywhere close to that. But at this point, people who are much smarter than me and know a lot more about this um, have talked extensively about how if you make the historical comparisons, a lot of the groundwork that is being made and in some cases executed in the United States right now is eerily parallel to what was going on in Germany in the 1930s, 40s period. Um, so this is actually interesting, but I speak German, and so um, as sort of a sort of like an educational, I guess, sort of thing, um, my dad and I, well, my dad took German in high school as well, um, but he doesn't really remember it, so he had me pretty much like interpret it, but we watched a lot of like the very old speeches that were used like in during World War II or before World War II and relations like the Holocaust and things like that and it was just scarily similar to how this innate nationalism and this defense for this country just led to you know this incredible racism that just continued to extrapolate to such extreme measures and it was just eerily similar to what's going on now and I think that is the thing that terrifies me the most is that you know the whole concept of making America great again is just it goes it's extremely similar to what Germany was going through when they said after World War One, when you know Germany got the shortest end of the stick they were like no like we need to make Germany great again like and that's essentially what these speakers were saying um, and it's just awful. Now, before we get too far into this, like, there are some incredibly important differences that, to keep in mind, mm-hmm. first of all, the United States today is not in the, anywhere close to the same kind of economic distress that Germany in the 1930s was going through. Like, oh, not they were devastated, totally. Mm-hmm. So, we're actually doing pretty good. Um, definitely strong economic questions and issues, but nothing close to that. So, that's, we got that going for us. Um, also, we do have historical precedent to look at and learn from, hopefully. And Fingers we do, crossed. <laughs> and we do have um, a greater sense of globalism and connection with the outside world, mm-hmm. both um, in terms of diplomatic ties, although those are burning fast, so whatever, um, and especially in terms of social media and communication with people across the country and in other countries that, of course, they did not have mm-hmm. in World War II Germany. Yes, we're a lot more um, interrelated with one another. We are a lot more interdependent, which is necessary, I think. But it's just the idea that one country needs to be the best or one country feels they are the best, that's where the problem becomes an issue. Yeah, which America has always been, though, which is kind of concerning. The idea of American exceptionalism and that we are the most special, important country out there has always been a part of our narrative. We literally justified taking people over to manifest destiny. <laughs> like, oh, yikes. Yeah, uh, it's, um... I find it confusing when people are, like, super proud of American history. I'm like, did you read... Did you read American history? <laughs> like, I understand that there... A lot of the things that people in this country and this country's governmental system or whatever has accomplished have been absolutely incredible but on the other hand incredible amounts of slavery death torture discrimination against uh everyone virtually everyone, everyone at, at some everyone point, at who, some not, point yeah. who is not a rich white man 
And also, this just goes to say that what people shouldn't focus on is maybe the technicalities of what race was being discriminated against at that time, but the fact that there is this innate part of our culture where we shun people that are on the outside. Because, like, I I, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but there's this concept um, of, like, Calvinism, like, the religion, where... Um, you are destined from the beginning if you're going to go to heaven and you know you're predestined because if you weren't predestined for heaven, you wouldn't act, you wouldn't know that. Or, I don't know. It's just like this complicated thing, How, which basically, um, long story short, says you can only be in a good spot if you're on the inside and it's just important that you're on the inside and like everything else can kind of just like go away and it's just sort of that, I don't know, I just found this like weird parallel how it doesn't even looking past like races and different ethnicities and different religions it's the fact that no matter what we seem to have this repeating trend in history where we just exclude people on the outside and those people on the outside just like shift groups from you know depending on the time but it's it's just something that we as a human race i guess need to get over i don't even know how to describe this this you know what i mean yeah and i mean we are talking about this in terms of united states history in terms of specific instances and historical precedent whatever but this is a problem for everyone what you were just describing is the inside versus the outside Mm -hmm. which is a whole psychological thing this is getting very this is very getting meta um Uh, (laughs) okay well this has gone far off of news but i on the other hand this is a time when we should be reflective upon history and psychology and other such things to pivot back to stuff that's going on now though yesterday as we're recording this trump's choice for supreme court seat was announced Mm -hmm. so i have a lot of interesting things to say about this his choice was neil gorsuch Mm -hmm. um very right-leaning very conservative um, I mean, we all knew that Trump was going to pick someone conservative to fill the seat. And this is Scalia's seat, which was left vacant almost a year ago when he died, and then the Republican Congress refused to even give a hearing to President Obama's choice, Merrick Garland. Something on the agenda that a lot of conservatives have been pushing for is, you know, the overturn of Roe v. Wade, which, um, in summary, basically said that the federal government said that um, abortions were legal. But the thing is, what a lot, a lot of people recognize is that, um, of course, abortions were technically legal in certain states before, but this sort of gave um, this power to the government, the federal government, in a way that has not really, that it hasn't, that it had not had before. And so overturning Roe v. Wade would just revert back to, it would be up to the states to make the decision on whether or not to allow um, abortion. But that's the technicalities. There's just a lot of problems that I have with this whole debate to begin with. I am personally pro-choice for a lot of reasons. And putting aside any idea of, like, ideology or morality on the question of abortion, I think that even if you just look at terms of um, practicality and health, um, abortion should be legal. Yeah, I feel like I have a very weird relationship with this topic. Um, I was raised Catholic, so obviously in the Catholic Church, um, abortion is basically the worst thing that can happen. Okay, that's an exaggeration, but (laughs) okay, very, it's a sin. And 
Um, so I've been to Catholic school my entire life, so this message that you should be pro-life has always just been, you know, um, incessantly part of our education. But also, I think that I have sort of this weird perspective of it just because um, I am adopted. So this is probably getting too personal, but whatever. So um, I'm adopted, which also just like affects how, you know, like, what if in another world, like things ended differently and I wasn't, you know, adopted or I don't know, just weird things like that. But basically what I'm trying to say is I feel like because of my adopted background and because I'm religious that I'm pro-life but for me if that makes sense which but like everyone else can do what they want technically um so that would also that would actually make me technically pro-choice because it's like up to you I think that's what the word means yes. yeah exactly <laughs> but I don't know at least my problem is that when I say pro-choice, it's like, oh, like, so you're for abortion. That's what I hate. Just because you're pro-choice doesn't mean you're pro-abortion. Yeah, I don't think, like, like, anyone who's pro-abortion. Like, it just, it just infuriates me. So I always feel, like, the need to, like, add that tidbit, like, oh, for me, like, I'm pro-life, but for everyone else, I'm pro-choice. And so some people are like, so you're pro-choice. And then I'm like, yes. But then other people are like, oh, okay, so I see what you mean. And I'm like, okay. But there really is no, there shouldn't be a distinction, um, no, there is definitely a distinction between being pro-choice and being pro-abortion in that being pro-abortion is not necessarily a thing. Yeah, I don't know anyone who's like, yeah, I love abortions. Like, that's not, that's a narrative that's pushed by the pro-life or anti-choice side. And applying this idea to Roe v. Wade, it's not about we think everybody should get abortions it's that um it gives you that option and so when you have health problems um and when you can't support a child or when you just don't want a child at this point in your life it gives you that opportunity and making abortions legal doesn't stop them from happening it stops them from happening safely yes exactly what i want to go off thank you quinn for bringing that up so this is gonna be sorry sorry i feel like i'm ranting a lot on this episode but anyways there's so many economic implications um, with legalizing abortion that are actually very positive because, as Quinn said, abortions are still going to happen even if they were technically outlawed, but they would be happen- happening in, like, this black market. So maybe in, like, un- underground clinics or um, using sketchy methods that may not be the safest. But just going off the fact that health problems for the person getting the abortion involved is just so great, especially if it's done unsafe. But... What I don't understand is a lot of the conservative reasoning for um, for outlawing abortion, just because, okay, I get it from, like, a religious standpoint, like, that's fine, but in order to be consistent, you have to, you should recognize that the economic implications that these abortions are happening in safe environments that will prevent a majority of the potential health complications that could arise if this was happening, you know, in unsafe clinics and things like that. So in that regard, it is preventing future health costs down the line. So I don't understand when some people, um, conservatively minded, think that the two are completely separate when there's definitely some tangible relationship between them. There are a lot of arguments that break down uh, the conservative anti-choice sides um saying and it's like if you want to say that you are personally morally or religiously opposed to abortion i can't argue against that but i can argue against you trying to enforce that morality or religious standard on other people 
Yes, exactly. And also, like, I don't know. For me, whenever I get in... I don't get into these arguments often because they make me very vivid. Vivid. Livid. <laughs> livid. Not vivid. I'm already vivid. You're always vivid. <laughs> they just make me so angry. And I just always... I do win most of these arguments, though, because I'm like, okay, listen, I was raised conservatively, I was raised pro-choice, um, pro-life, I went to Catholic school my entire life, and yet I still think that abortion should be legal, and people are like, oh, okay, let's listen to your arguments, and then I absolutely kill the arguments, because, like, all of my reasoning is sound and logical, and coming from my background, like, it's just... I'm aware of these things, and so, sorry, this is just, that was basically me saying that I'm great, and <laughs> I always win this argument. Um, <laughs> See, this is really funny to me, because I was also raised Catholic in a moderately conservative home, but now I'm, like, a queer liberal atheist, and no one cares what I have to say about pro-choice things. They're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> People are always interested to, like, hear my choice, because I'm always like, oh, like, for me, like, morally, I'm against abortion for myself, but I still think abortion should be legal. And then they're like, oh, well, what are your reasons? And then they try to, like, do, like, the whole economics-y things, and, and I'm just like, okay, also, I was adopted, so, like, I also have that going for me as well. And then they're just like, okay, you can have this one. No one, yeah, no one can fight you on this one. <laughs> no one can fight me on this. <laughs> So that was a digression we needed to have at some point on this show to have that conversation. Um, unfortunately, I'm sure this will be very relevant in times to come. I feel like I say that all the time. It's like, it's interesting to talk about these things, but also I hate that we have to because it always means something as bad is happening to them. Regardless, this is all in the context of our potential new Supreme Court justice. Although, who knows if he will actually be confirmed because um, it is likely that the Democrats will filibuster him. Um, Gotta love the F word, filibuster. (laughs) Well, so at this point, um, the Republicans filibustered Merrick Garland from ever actually getting a fair hearing or any kind of examination as a potential justice, even though he's very qualified and Obama had almost a full year left on his term and they just didn't want him to be on the bench because they wanted a conservative justice. Even though Garland is fairly moderate, but um, Mm -hmm. did have some liberal leanings, and they were like, nope. Um, And so now some Democrats are like, well, sucks for you, because we're not confirming your justice either. Of course, we don't know if filibuster rules are going to hold anymore, because Republicans could wipe out the option to filibuster. Um, They technically could try to do that, but that means getting rid of it for everyone and leads them to be very vulnerable um, if they ever lose the majority in Congress, which, please God. (laughs) Uh, So that's a choice that will be coming up very soon, and we'll see what will happen with filibuster and if the Democrats are able to block Gorsuch from getting on the bench. It's funny because libertarians have a very weird relationship with the the concept of filibustering because in that they like it um interesting yeah because basically libertarians are pretty pessimistic when it comes to government intervention or just government in general so they're like oh well if they filibuster something or someone then you know that means that the thing that's going to happen is going to be prevented for a slightly longer period of time which means that we have less on our plate to worry about because obviously no matter what happens something is going to go wrong and so that's why we like the filibuster i'm just like hmm you make some good points i want you to know that literally every time you talk about libertarianism i'm just picturing ron swanson from parks and recreation (laughs) (laughs) oh 
Oh my god, so many people have tagged me in, like, a picture of him, and they're just like, lol, add Jillian. I feel like you've said some of the same things that he said, though. It's funny, though, because I don't watch watch Parks and Rec. I don't really either. I'm just culturally aware of things. (laughs) When the Republicans announced their plans to block President Obama's Supreme Court nominee, I was pretty mad, because they had no reason precedent to do that. And so some people might be like, it's hypocritical to support Democrats blocking the nominee when you were mad that Republicans blocked the nominee. And to that, I say no. (laughs) Because, first of all, they did it to us. So suck it. Uh, That's a pretty immature answer. So more serious answer. What we're looking at right now um, in the United States is a serious shift of power. And going back to what we were talking about before with comparisons to pre-World War II Germany, what we have right now is an executive branch that's um, very pointed towards, honestly, um, very discriminatory and in some cases more fascist laws that are being executed right now with executive orders um, and banning people from coming into the country and and putting people in charge of scientific agencies who should not be in charge of them, and banning people from talking to the press, and on and on. And now we have a legislative branch who is following along with what the executive branch is doing, and is not going to block him, and is confirming his nominees, and is doing all of this, and the opposition in the Congress is not large enough because Republicans do have the majority, and they are going along with the Republican president, regardless of whatever else is happening. As it stands now, maybe this will change, but it looks doubtful. So, and the people who are opposing them on the Democratic side do not have the numbers to um, overtake their Republican colleagues. So that's two branches of government that are kind of united towards uh, really terrible things. And now we have our judicial branch, most importantly, the Supreme Court. And if Trump gets a justice on the Supreme Court, that shifts the balance towards more conservative, and it puts someone who Trump personally picked on the bench, which I'm just not in favor of in general. Yeah. And it leaves our government without checks and balances the way that it was intended. Yeah, checks and balances are so important. Separation of powers is so important. Like, this is... This is not good. Like, I just... It's just funny because, like... You know, like, living in a conservative household when, like, the Republicans had the majority of anything. Like, it was like, oh, finally, you know? But it was just like, now it's just like, okay, like, I understand as, like, a registered Republican, like, this is bad. So, like, I think everyone should recognize that this is bad. Jillian, if every Republican was like you, this country would be so great. (laughs) Okay, Republicans get such a bad rep, and I was like, I don't understand why. Well, now I understand why. (laughs) We're dying. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. I'm just gonna, like, pull a Theodore Roosevelt and make my own party. Like, the Bull Moose Party. Like, the Groundhog Party. (laughs) Also, it's Groundhog's Day, and Jillian's (laughs) really excited about it. I, like, attached so many pictures in our notes that- well, I didn't attach pictures in the notes, but I had another tab open with all the pictures that I was going to attach to our notes, because- they're just so cute, and they're so underrated out of all, like, the furry creatures in the animal kingdom. Everybody's always like, oh, check out that cute bunny. Oh, check out that, like, cute squirrel. Oh, look at that noble, majestic groundhog emerging from the earth. <laughs> okay, I'm done. You got so passionate about that so quickly. <laughs> it's been a long, it's been a long semester, everyone. <laughs> You're gonna say that every week, aren't you? Yep, yep. Yeah, so basically everything is just really concerning right now. 
and I want to go hug a groundhog instead. <laughs> I, um, I want him to go back into the burrow and take me with him. <laughs> One other important thing to note um, on this topic of the lack of checks and balances was some kind of GOP insurrection in the Senate, basically. The Democrats boycotted the nominations of the health and treasury secretaries because they wanted more hearings, they wanted to be able to answer more questions about their backgrounds, and the Republicans changed the rules and just confirmed them without any Democrats present. Okay, first of all, that's a problem just, like, morally, like, what? Like, oh, like, thanks for the, thanks for the invite, like, thanks for letting us know, but also, like, this is something that I actually need this is something that needs to happen to have to be able to have additional hearings. And yes, I understand that it could work against Republicans in the future. But the fact that they don't have a really great track record right now, because there have been hearings where where people have lied just about like, like certain business people have lied about, um, you know, some shady stocks that they were investing in and just like things like that, that need to be addressed and should be addressed, you know, with everybody involved. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, it's just really, really concerning to me that they could do that. That they could just suspend that rule that says a Democrat has to be present to confirm these people and just do it anyway. Because it, it just makes me aware of how fragile our system really is, which I'm becoming more and more aware of. And how much having a majority in Congress, especially when you have the executive office as well, allows you to circumvent so many things and disrupt the balance of power that we're supposed to have. I feel a lot of what's happening now relates to themes that, you know, I've, I've learned as a kid, like, um, differences make the world go round, and everything in moderation, and it's just like, well, this is completely disregarding that. It also just goes, I'm just, like, realizing, like, the implications, I mean, obviously this is very bad for everyone, but at least, you know, like, as someone who's been around for like 20 years, which is granted not a long time <laughs> at all. Let me all. make it sound like you're an old timer. <laughs> I've Back been around in... these parts. <laughs> the things that I've seen, the things I've done. <laughs> but <laughs> actually, like, at least I know sort of how things should be. But it's just like, if you're growing up in this time where you're just like, oh, we can change the laws and like, we can do whatever we want. And if it's just, it's just not good. Like, I don't know. Things need to be more balanced. I feel like today's episode has been a little messy, and I'm sorry about that, uh, but, you know... It's symbolic of what's going on in our country right now, so we're kind of sticking to the theme. Yeah, precisely. Um, <laughs> and especially with... I feel like we didn't do a super deep dive on why we're so worried about, um, like, potential fascism in our country. Well, we should be, and that's it. That's yeah. all we need to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, regardless, there will be... Um, as I mentioned, like, the people smarter than me who are talking about this, there'll be stuff from them in the show notes um, and links to more in-depth articles that, like, make it hard to sleep at night. So there's that. Because everything is so incredibly on fire today and in general right now, um, instead of doing a normal pop culture topic, Julie suggested talking about the Super Bowl and I was like, why? I don't care at all. And she was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the Patriots are playing the Falcons, so that's great. Also, the Patriots are, like, 
um, the team that's always, you know, been in the Super Bowl or whatever. But it's just funny because one of the most prominent players on <laughs> the Patriots is Tom Brady. And it's just really funny because my dad was telling me the story how he actually has a colleague named Tom Brady, but obviously not the same Tom Brady. Um, but he was like, ordering tickets or trying to make a reservation for something and like he called the um he called the person whatever and it was like hey I know this is like last minute but do you think I could have two tickets for this or do you think I can make a reservation for two people and they were like oh and they were like yeah sure what's your name and he's like oh Tom Brady and they were like oh my god the people were like to Tom Brady oh yeah sure um but is your wife coming and he was like uh yeah I guess so because I guess it was for him and his wife for their anniversary or something but he was just like weirded out that they asked about that and they were like oh yeah sure no problem at all whatsoever um and then so he gets the tickets for whatever he was seeing I think it was some Broadway show um and then he finds out that even though he ordered the tickets last minute he got like front row seats and him and his wife were just so confused about why this happened um so yeah so that's the benefit of having someone famous as also your name you put the Super Bowl on the list just so you could tell that story, didn't you? Yes, I did, and I am not being ashamed of that. <laughs> okay, well, you just took that opportunity and ran with it, but what I was going to say <laughs> um, is that we're, we're not going to talk about the Super Bowl. I don't care. But be, um, So instead of doing a normal pop culture thing, instead I wanted to talk a little bit about things in our country that don't suck, um, specifically the millions of people who are fighting back against the stuff that does suck Mm -hmm. because that's just cool to talk about and I think that's a little bit of what we need right now Mm -hmm, definitely and it's just at least when I was I sound like I'm an old-timer again but um it's just so nice that you can see these people are like that you know people our age are like getting involved and they're like banding together for things that they believe is important I think that's so crucial to not only the progress of this country but like the progress of who we are as individuals and it's it's about learning and growing and accepting others and it just it gives me some hope that maybe the world won't implode tomorrow but the jury's still out on that one my brain is sort of this difficult balance between utter despair and then hope and then utter despair and then just repeat because on one hand there are more of us on the other hand, they have all the power. <laughs> so, I feel like it's like I'm a teenager in high school again, asking for a later curfew and then just being like, no. And even if it's like for a good cause, like studying or being at the library. <laughs> of course you would ask for a later curfew to study at the library. Oh my god. <laughs> well, anyway, I went to my first protest this week. Yes, tell us about that. It was really nice. Um... That sounds so weird to say, like, oh, the protest is so nice. But <laughs> they had good it, food. <laughs> it, it was, it was, because, um, so this was the protest. I just heard what you said. It had good food. It did not have good food. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so this was the protest um, to stand against the Muslim ban um, and to stand in support with immigrants and refugees and Muslim people. And so I went with our other roommate, Azra, who is a Muslim woman. Um, so it was a cool experience to be there and to see, so in Boston, so we went to the one in Copley Square, and I don't know how many people were there, I haven't looked up the number estimates or whatever, but 
I think it was definitely like a, at least around 10,000 people. There were so many people there and we could not see or hear what was happening at all because I mean there were speakers there and Elizabeth Warren was speaking and other politicians and people from various civil rights organizations I'm sure I assume um but we got there like maybe 20 minutes after it was scheduled to start and at that point there was no way you could get to um anywhere you could actually hear the speakers so what we did instead is we kind of walked around the whole square uh slowly while everything was going on um and basically just talked and read all of the signs and it was in it was really nice because there was so much support to be seen there um and it was in a lot of ways a really empowering experience um Azra and I were talking about this um and about how like having a protest in itself is not a direct action mm-hmm. but it does have good results and it can um pressure politicians to do something it can rally support um and you can make connections and one thing it does is it does help you feel better (laughs) honestly and you can't let that be everything because if you just go to a protest and then feel better and then go home and not do anything else that is the opposite of helpful but on the other hand like when you're incredibly stressed out and you're seeing all of this hate then going somewhere where people are incredibly supportive of you is genuinely helpful for you on a really deep emotional level Mm -hmm. also at least like, growing up, there was always, I always heard such, um, there was such a negative connotation with protests, like, oh, those teenage rebels, but, like, (laughs) now, this is, (laughs) I get, I feel like now, like, this is, you know, this is improving the whole, even though there wasn't really a stigma, at least, but in my family, there was a stigma with protests. I feel like your family had a lot of problems with Occupy Wall Street. (laughs) Oh, you have no idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but when it comes to things that are so crucial to our democracy, a.k.a. acceptance, um, it's just great to have this option and to be able to protest and be with these people um, to maybe not, you know, cause a direct action, but to definitely start a movement or definitely to, um, I don't know, spark some creativity, positivity, progress. But yes, more positive connotation. I respect protesters. I respect you. <laughs> Thank you, Jillian. I, like, okay, that was just, like, an exaggeration. Like, I never really had a problem with them, but it was just like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. You know? I respect you, too. <laughs> Another really cool thing that happened this weekend is the support for the ACLU. Also, the ACLU, just in general, being badass. Over the weekend, um, when the ban was announced of course the ACLU the American Civil Liberties Union this is kind of what they do they fight legally on behalf of civil liberties so when this Muslim ban was announced they were like oh no oh no this is very bad um and so there was a huge huge outpouring of support for the work that they're doing to the point where they raised 24 million dollars in under a week Mm -hmm. which is I think six times their average yearly donations Mm -hmm. because what happened is everyone started going oh my god we need the ACLU to fight this. I'm going to make donation to it. And then a lot of public figures said, I'm going to match people's donations up to $10,000. Send me your receipts. And so all of a sudden, there were all these people who said, I'm going to match your donations to $5,000, $10,000, $20,000, like a huge amount. Um, and the my favorite one that I saw is um, Hank Green of YouTube and lots of other things. 
uh, said that he would donate $5 to the ACLU for every hand-drawn message of support for Muslims, immigrants, or refugees that replied to this tweet. And so I'm going to link the tweet in the show notes because if you just click on it, the whole thread is just all of these beautiful, inspiring drawings and messages. Um, like, it's really incredible. And he ended up donating over $10,000. He was like, please empty my bank account. Just, like, send me all these things. I think he left it open for, like, 24 hours. He would count every single one and donate $5. But that's really cool. And they are doing work. They're suing. Um, there were so many lawyers that were in airports through the ACLU and just independently as well um, who were there volunteering to help get the people who were detained at... Um, to help the people who were detained when they arrived on planes uh, get out and to get returned to their families and their homes or wherever they were going once they landed in the United States, which was really incredible as well. Yeah, so it's just, are we going through this awful time? Yes, but this is also just such a great opportunity to band together, to stick together, and to, you know, create some positive movement. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a bit on um, Trevor Noah the other night where um, I don't know the names of people on Trevor Noah. I'm sorry. I just saw these screen grabs on Tumblr. But one of their correspondents who is Muslim was talking about how he's like, I can't hate Trump right now. People were nice to me in an airport. People were never nice to me in airports. They were coming up to me like, thank you for being Muslim. What? That's great. Just like People were praying in the airport. That was incredible. And he made a really great point, which is that... Um, Trump's been talking about how he's scared of Islam taking over our country. Well, guess what? And they just show these pictures of everyone holding up signs that say, like, we are all Muslim and united and all these things. It's like, well, people are uniting, uniting against you. Yeah, it's great. It's also, it's like that analogy when everyone gets along together in a class because they all hate the teacher, you know? like He's not a classroom analogies today. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to shut you down. It's okay. (laughs) It's true, though. If we're going to have this administration, I feel like Trump is the teacher, Bannon is the principal, Pence is the teacher next... Who is Pence? Is he the assistant teacher or the teacher next door? I feel like he's, like, the TA. Okay, so Pence is the TA. Um, To be clear in this analogy, the... Trump is a teacher who does not know what he's doing, and the TA and the principal are actually running the classroom. (laughs) If we're going to make this accurately. That's so accurate, though, like in college classes, like the TA just does everything. (laughs) Wait, that's so true. (laughs) And just as children literature will teach us, the students have banded together in a revolution, and we're going to fight back. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. We want longer recess. We want civil rights. We want jello for lunch. We want to be able to move to this country. <laughs> you know, the little things. <laughs> Some simple demands. <laughs> well, that's everything we have for today. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at MixedFeelingsFM, where you can tweet at us or send us a DM. You can also find us at Relay.fm slash MixedFeelings, where there is a contact form to send us feedback. You can also find us in iTunes. It would be great if you left us a review. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Thanks for listening today. Yeah, thanks, guys. And thanks for talking with me, Jillian. Oh, thanks for discussing everything with me, Quinn. I'm Quinn Rose. And I'm Jillian Parker. And these were our mixed feelings.
Do you want to just say hello? Hello. Do you want to say, can you say a full sentence? Hi, this is Jillian Parker. I am very stressed right now, and the world is falling apart around us. Right, that should be good. (laughs)